leadership has always been challenging, but today the pressures and unrelenting changes are greater than ever before. Leaders must manage an increasingly complex work environment made up of both remote and hybrid teams. To add to that, many team members are facing economic health and family care demands. So leaders have to be even more flexible and creative in order to be effective. We know that energized and engaged people and teams are the lifeblood of every organization. I'm Leanne Rogers, host of Leading Better Teams, and I arm leaders with everything you need to build happy and high-performing teams, all served up with empathy, humor, and a dash of Southern charm. Join me each month as I share the most effective and actionable insights, models, tips, and tools to help you lead better teams. Let's get started. Leaders report being overwhelmed at an alarming rate. In the past year, according to one UK study, 74% of people felt so stressed they have been overwhelmed or unable to cope. In another study by Forbes, 14% of the people they queried felt chronically overwhelmed, and at the end of a busy day, they felt drained. Can you relate? What about your team? Are they overwhelmed too? As humans, we're going to get overwhelmed from time to time. And when we do, it's difficult to be an effective leader. This is what I see over and over again when coaching senior leaders and also experience myself when I'm overwhelmed. When I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm anxious about time and worried about meeting the expectations of others. So I'm tense, quickly frazzled, short-tempered, and rushed. When I show up like that, I'm not fully available to the people on my team. They sense it and will likely hold back from reaching out to me because they don't want to burden me. In this way, I'm now seen as unavailable or even unreliable to the people who are counting on me. And I'm role modeling unhealthy behaviors that my team is likely to imitate. I'm creating a stressful culture where we all run around stressed and exhausted. When I'm running from meeting to meeting and task to task, I'm not being strategic or proactive. I'm simply reacting. This is not leadership. This is management and poor management at that. So I must, you must, Lead your way out of the overwhelmed cycle and take back control of your life. In part one of overcoming overwhelm, I focused on how we contribute to our own overwhelm. Using the SCARF model, I described how we, with good intentions, can be our own worst enemies. Today, in part two of overcoming overwhelm, I'm going to give you four simple strategies to begin overcoming overwhelm. I don't want to overwhelm you, though, with all the overwhelm strategies. And if you are overwhelmed, it's difficult to think long-term. So these are quick strategies to get yourself unoverwhelmed and focused. These are quick wins to get the ball rolling so you'll have time and energy to coach, plan, innovate, and strategize. So let's jump in and take a look at that very first strategy. The first one is think versus feel. The reality is overwhelm is an emotional response. When we feel overwhelmed, it's a feeling, right? We don't think overwhelmed, we feel overwhelmed. And it can really be a very strong guttural feeling that comes out in different ways for people. I reached out to some people in my forward community and also some LinkedIn friends and I asked them, when you feel overwhelmed, what, what does it, how does that show up for you in your body and in your mind and in your heart? And these are a couple of responses that people shared with me. 
Nadine said, I feel deeply fatigued and feel a heaviness in my head and in my eyes, like I have to close them. Amy said, my heart races, and I feel like I'm in a game of Tetris, and the blocks are dropping too fast. And Chris said he feels constricted, like something is holding him down. It's in his gut primarily, but also in his heart. And then other people said things like, in my shoulders and in my back and in my neck. And so we have all these strong feelings and also like physical responses to the stress that we feel when we're overwhelmed. And so what we want to be aware of here is feeling is when we're in a feeling place, when we're using the part of our minds that are feeling, we can get really sucked into that and overwhelmed about our overwhelm, if you will. And so what we want to do here is start to think about how do we move from the emotional centers of our brain into the parts of our brain that do the thinking so we can work our way out of it. And so one way to do that is a technique that Dan Siegel created called Name It to Tame It. And this is a technique that was used with children, but I find it super helpful with adults too. You basically, when you're feeling a really strong emotion, you name it, you just call it, you name it, you describe it. And what happens is when you're describing your emotion or how you feel, you're having to think about it and analyze it. So instead of the emotional centers of the brain processing what's going on, we go to the prefrontal cortex in the brain, which is the thinking part of the brain, where we do all of our analyzing. We think about how we're feeling. And by doing that, we pull ourselves out of the emotion and start to be in a place where we can analyze and think about what to do about it. So naming it to tame it is a great technique just to say, I feel overwhelmed. I feel really stressed. I can feel it in my heart. I can feel it in my neck or my back. These are now getting us to analyze and think about it, which will help calm us down just a little bit. Another simple technique is just using the scale of one to 10. So if you think, or you were to ask, let's say you had a direct report come to you and say they were feeling really overwhelmed and you're coaching them and you're working with them and they're talking about how overwhelmed they are, you might say on a scale of one to 10, how overwhelmed are you right now? And they say, I'm an eight or I'm a nine, right? Just by thinking about it and then analyzing it to be able to scale it on a scale of one to 10, they are switching again from that emotional center of the brain to the thinking part of the brain. And they're now going to be more able to be more cognitive about how to process through and what to do. There was a study, and I'll link to all these studies in in the show notes, but there was a study in psychology today that said, just by using the scale of one to 10, you can reduce your stress about something by 20%. Just by saying, I'm on a scale of nine, on a scale of one to 10, we automatically might be at an eight or a seven on that scale. So two really simple techniques you can use with yourself and you can also use with others who are feeling overwhelmed. The third way to think about thinking versus feeling is writing it down, getting it out, like releasing all of the pent up overwhelm that we feel. Again, when we're overwhelmed, we have so many things spinning around in our minds that it, it just can, you know, it's hard to even have this clear thought. So taking the time to write down everything that's going on for you can be very therapeutic. And they actually say writing by hand is better than typing, right? So when we have to get it all down and we're writing down all the things we have to do and how we feel about it, to write it is actually going to be make us feel calmer 
and and because it gets us in kind of a rhythmic therapeutic process of of getting it out versus just typing it. There's a study about this too, and I'll link it in the show notes. But if you were to list everything that you had to do, which is probably one of the things um, that you do when you're feeling overwhelmed, just by writing it all down, again, we begin to lower the stress that we feel. So when we're overwhelmed, if we'll name it to tame it, we'll scale it on a scale of one to 10, and we'll list down all the things that have us overwhelmed, just those three simple acts, which we can do in minutes, will automatically lower our sense of overwhelm and get us more ready to process it. So it's time for the Better Teams trivia question. How many pieces of information can we hold in our mind at one time? Well, the answer is three to five, and I'll link in the show notes to the study where I found this, but our minds can only hold so much information at the same time. You know, we try to multitask and do all of these things, but we know when we multitask, we make mistakes and things fall through. Our minds can only process so much at the same time. And the more complex or emotional the information is that we're holding, the less we can actually hold and process. So the second technique after think versus feel is to chunk it, to chunk things down, to break things down. You probably heard the saying, how do you eat an elephant? You eat it one bite at a time, right? So when we have a huge overwhelming process, if we try to do everything at once, we will get nowhere and we'll probably just feel paralyzed and stuck. But if we start to break it down and chunk it into smaller bite-sized pieces, it's easier for us to begin moving forward. We'll start to have a sense of progress. And there's a lot of power in small wins to get the momentum going. So instead of feeling overwhelmed, we start to feel like, okay, I have control again. And I have movement and momentum in the right direction. Now, this applies, this chunking principle, both to yourself and your own to-do list and your own sense of overwhelm, and also as a leader to your team as a whole. Your team as a whole probably has a lot, hundreds, thousands of tasks. If you added up everybody on the team's tasks and, and strategies and all the goals that they're working on, think of all that's happening. Teams can also collectively feel very overwhelmed. So helping a team collectively to chunk down, what is it that we are doing? How can we break this down into bite-sized pieces? How do we split this up? You know, this project that we need to have accomplished by the end of the year, what needs to happen in each quarter? And then what happens in each month? Chunking down like that makes it more manageable for everyone. So one simple technique you can do, by the way, in a, in a meeting is just at the end of every meeting that you have to do a quick review of what do we accomplish today, what are our key takeaways, and what are our next steps or actions that come out of it. So even just chunking down in your meeting into those three categories at the end has everybody walking away feeling clearer and less overwhelmed about what just happened because now they have a clear process of what's next. When you're chunking, so in the first step, you wrote everything down, all the things that are going on in your life that are overwhelming you. Now in chunking, what you're going to do is take a look at how do I chunk these things down? So let's say, for example, you had something like you needed to write up a report and that report in itself gives you the sense of hives, right? You start to break out in hives because you feel so overwhelmed, but this really complicated, important report that you have to write. If though, then you took that report and were to chunk it down into what were all the sub pieces of building that report and you get it down to things that even take as simple as five to 15 minutes to get done, 
Now you've got, instead of just one to-do item, which is write the report, maybe you have seven different smaller steps that you're going to take to write that report. It starts to feel more manageable. So when you can chunk things down into really small segments, things that you can do in five to 15 minutes, you get some momentum and you can get those done quicker and you can start to check the box and feel that hit, that hit of dopamine when you check the box that you got something done and you start to feel like you're making progress. I'll tell you what, Noom, I have the app Noom, um, which is an app. They have two versions of it. They have a an app for stress and they have an app for uh, health or weight loss. And it's really interesting. So every day it gives you these lessons to take and they kind of, they're all building on each other. But the lessons, there's usually three to five lessons a day, are somewhere between one and at the very most four, but most of them are one, two or three minutes long. And you complete one lesson and then you get to decide, do I want to do the next lesson? And then do I want to do the next? And it recommends you do, you know, three to four or five a day. What I find fascinating about it is I might not always say, hey, I want to take 10, 15 minutes to, to read my Noom lessons. But when I go into the app, I can go, I have a minute, though. I can do that. Or I have three minutes. I can do that three-minute lesson. And I'll do that three-minute lesson. And then I kind of have a little momentum going. And I'm curious about the next lesson. So yeah, I can do three more minutes. I can do three more minutes. And sometimes I even get proactive and it'll say, do you want to do extra today? Do you want to get extra credit? And so the Noom has this great build uh, building process where you're just doing these little bitty pieces. And the next thing you know, I've spent 15, maybe 18 minutes taking Noom lessons because I just did one little bite at a time. So it's a great example of that. You can do this again individually or with your teams. So when you're leading others, one of the things you can do to help them feel that sense of progress by chunking things down is to ask them about their progress each day. So rather than just checking in always on the big things, did you get the report done? helping people feel a sense of progress in the small things that they're doing towards those bigger goals can can help alleviate some of the sense of overwhelm and make us feel like we're making progress. We've talked about number one, thinking versus feeling. Number two is chunking. And then after you've chunked things down into manageable pieces, the third thing is you wanna prioritize. Okay, because what will happen for most of us is we will chunk things down and we still will have a massive to-do list. We, we probably can never, ever get done all the possible things in our lives at home and at work that we want to do. And so the next thing we've got to figure out is what is the priority? Where do we put our energy first? Because when what happens for many of us, and I know for me, is sometimes when I'm overwhelmed, I look at all the things I have to do and everything feels like a priority. These all are things that I have to do or must get done or someone is counting on me for and they're due soon. And that's when that overwhelm and emotional piece can kick back in. So we've got to figure out how do we prioritize to figure out where do we focus first? Strong leaders know that they need to prioritize and help their teams do this too. There will never be enough time in the day to do everything. So we have to figure out where do we put our energy? What's the most important? Where are we going to get the most value for our time and effort spent? So we want to prioritize for ourselves individually as leaders. We want to help our teams prioritize collectively. What are we prioritizing as a team? And then each individual team member may need some support or coaching as well around what do they prioritize in their days to ultimately support those goals of the team. So I'm going to give you four different ways you can prioritize. And I think we all have to find what works for us. One way to prioritize is to use the Eisenhower matrix or the urgent important scale here. And so we look at everything we have to do when we decide, is this urgent? 
And is this important? And that can help us prioritize. So obviously things that are both important and urgent would be the things we would focus on first. The things that are important but not urgent may not always be prioritized. And that can be another lesson for another day. But when we're looking at things like, does this really matter if I do it or not? Um, And does it matter if I do it now or not can help us to figure out what needs to be done first. Another way to prioritize is using the ABC123 method. This was a method I actually used for years and kind of gotten, I've gotten away from it, but I really like this method. And it's where you list out everything you have to do, let's say for the day, and then you go back through and you rate everything for the day. Is this an A, a B, or a C? An A is like top priority for today. A B is would be really nice to get done today, but okay, if I don't, and a C is, ah, yeah, if I get there, I do. If not, this is not a priority for today. So you go A, B, and C. And, and if you're like me, you may look at your task and go, okay, great, I have five things that are A's. And then you're like, okay, where do I go now? I still feel overwhelmed. So then you go back to all of your A's and you rank them in order one through five. Which one of those A's is the most important that you get done that day? And it would get A1. The next one would be A2, then A3, then A4, et cetera. And then you go to your B's and you prioritize the, those as well. So it's a way to take a look in the morning or the evening before and everything on your to-do list for the day and organize it so that you're not just doing what you want to do or what's easy to do or just going straight down the list. You're really strategically thinking about which one is the priority to do for the day. You can also do this for a week. You could also do this for a month or a quarter. You get the idea here, but A, B, C, one, two, three. Third concept to think about with prioritizing is, do we do the quick wins first versus, quote, eating the frog? And eating the frog means, what's that one thing, or maybe there's more than one, that's on your list of things that you need to do that's big and it's not fun to do at all? Like, you may be dreading it, you may be avoiding it, you may be putting it off, but it's really important and it really needs to get done. So there are different theories on this, and I think it really depends. So for me, sometimes... I do better if I have a long list, if there are a couple of really quick, easy things I can do, you know, pop off an email, look up a number, put something into a calendar, you know, things that will really just literally take a minute or two to do. I sometimes get a little bit of momentum and energy from doing those things that are important and quick and just check, check, checking on my list. And my list feels smaller. And when I see that my list feels smaller, oh, I can almost like take a big breath and go, oh, okay, I have space now to do this, this stuff that's going to take more energy. However, if you've got something on your list that's really nagging at you, like you need to do it and it's complex, and even though you want to do other things, like all you can really do is in the back of your mind think about this big task, it's probably best to just put that as your number A1 item and get that done first. Like once you get that done, you'll feel that huge sense of relief and be freed up to get other things done. So you've got to do some thinking about what will work better for you. And it might depend on day to day and what's on your list, but get those quick wins done and knock them out quickly and have more space or do the bigger, uh, more complicated thing first while you have the energy and stamina. Go ahead and take care of it. Get it done, you know, eat the frog and then you get to have dessert afterwards, right? Of course, we're being metaphorical. We don't want people to be eating frogs. Now, the last tip on prioritizing here is, uh, and this comes from Michael Hyatt's work. I really love this idea, but he says, you know, pick your top three things for the day, the week, the month, the quarter, and the year. And so basically, if you were to like look at your year and say, if I got nothing else done this year, but these three things, what would those three things be? 
And then in order to get those three things done, what would I need to do each quarter? And then you break it down into the month. And then you say, these are my three top things for the month. What do I need to do this week? And then if these are my three, three top things for this week. What do I need to do today? So it's a really interesting idea of saying, you know, we can't do all things. What are the three most important things that I do today that will drive towards my ultimate goal for the year, my big goal or my team's goal? So there's lots of different ways we can prioritize. I think we have to figure out what works for us and then try it and maybe try some of these different ways as well. But the idea here is we can't do it all. We probably have more on our plates than it's reasonable to do. And so when we're looking for quick wins here, we think about where do I need to put my energy and time first? And this leads us right into the fourth strategy, which is schedule it in. Scheduling it in is about actually blocking time to get those things done. I have been really guilty of this. Uh, in fact, this is something I'm working on actively right now. I tend to block, you know, of course, meetings get blocked, training sessions or team building sessions get blocked, uh, coaching time gets blocked, things like that get blocked because I'm meeting with someone else. But I'm not as good. I'll, let me rephrase that. I'm working at getting better at blocking time with myself to get things done. Because what happens is I look and I think I have more space on my calendar than I really do. And then I, I get to the day where I need to do prep. And I'm like, yikes, I don't have time to do my prep. So instead, what I'm working at doing is blocking ahead proactively and scheduling in time to do my prep work, right? To write my next podcast, right? To prepare for a team building session, to write a statement of work, whatever it might be, I'm blocking in time versus fitting those things into the, the white spaces in my calendar, and that makes a big difference for me. And so, again, I'm actively working at building this skill for myself right now. Some teams even find it helpful to block partial days, like collectively as a team, we call them no meeting days, right? So Friday morning from, you know, eight to noon is a no meeting day. And it's a time for undisturbed and deep thinking, right? Or maybe it's Wednesday afternoon from three to five. It doesn't matter. But actually having days where the collectively as a whole, everyone's blocking off time. And no meetings are scheduled so that people have time to do that undisturbed work and feel a little less overwhelmed from that just running from meeting to meeting. When you do the blocking technique, you'll want to be very thoughtful about the times that you choose to block things. And if you're eating that frog, right, doing that task that's really hard or difficult for you, and it probably takes up a lot of energy and thinking, if you block time at the end of the day, it's going to be much more difficult for you to actually probably push through it because you're tired. Your brain's tired. You've already got decision fatigue from the day. Blocking time earlier in the morning for things that really take a lot of energy or effort or thought is, is usually best for most people because we're really fresh. We're not, we're not used up at that point, right? We've got a lot of energy and time. So using the time well for you, whether it's you're an early morning person or a late night person, but using the time well and blocking that time to use it to maximize the way your time is spent is a really valuable tool to think about. And then the last piece of scheduling it is just the idea of batching work. Batching work is a technique that helps with overwhelm too, because every time we switch tasks, if we're doing, if we're checking emails and then we're writing a report and then we're reading and reviewing a presentation that someone's about to make, and then we have to give feedback to another report at the next hour and we need to think about how we're going to do that. Those are four very different tasks. 
and they use different parts of our brain and different thinking. And every time we have to jump from one task to another, it takes energy to kind of refocus and redirect our thinking. Instead, if we will batch work together and do similar things at the same time, it takes less energy and we feel less overwhelmed. So rather than have, you know, every day of the week, you talk to a different direct report for 15 minutes, perhaps you spend, you know, Tuesday mornings and you have all of your 15 minute or 30 minute calls with your direct reports almost back to back because you get on a rhythm, right? You do one after the other, you get onto a rhythm. Or for me, for example, if I'm go, I write a blog every week at Better Teams. And um, instead of just doing one blog here and one blog there, when I sit down and batch, and I get in that creative mindset, and I start writing blogs, and I write three or four blogs at the same time, I'm batching, right? I'm on that rhythm. I'm on that mindset and I can get a lot more done faster because I'm not switching gears. So think about the type of work you do. You know, what could you batch, right? Writing expense reports at the same time, um, which is a kind of an analytical or numbers thing. Planning or thinking about meetings might be a different type of brain. So these are things you can do to eliminate overwhelm and simplify uh, what you're thinking about so that you can feel calmer and less stressed throughout the day. When you find yourself feeling overwhelmed, there are four simple actions to take charge. One, think versus feel. Two, chalk it, break it down into small bite-sized pieces. Three, prioritize it, figure out what's the most important thing to do first. And four, schedule it, get it blocked into your calendar at a good time for you to do it. These actions will increase your personal power and demonstrate skills that your team members will benefit from learning from you. It's difficult to do this alone. There are so many changes in how we work that we've been through in the last year and will be going through into the next year. The best leaders know that especially when they're overwhelmed, they need expert support and guidance. If you are feeling overwhelmed, take that step and call me so you can overcome overwhelm and gain control back. I'd like to challenge you to pick one thing you will do this week to lead your way out of the overwhelm cycle. Just one small thing that will help you feel less overwhelmed. And if you found this podcast episode helpful, please like, comment, or share it with others and help me get the word out. Think about someone you know who's really overwhelmed right now who would benefit from listening to part one or part two or perhaps both of these episodes and please share it with them. I hope that this helps you and I hope that you have a great day. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. As leaders, it's important that we all keep learning. Visit www.better-teams.com to learn more about the Better Teams model and how you can assess your team. I'd love to hear from you, so please connect with me on LinkedIn or through my website, And join Forward, my online community, where you can share, learn, and network with me and other leaders from around the globe. If you want more pragmatic ideas and tips to lead better teams, please subscribe and share this podcast with your colleagues. Thank you and have a great day.